0: By the way, the uh, Children's Ministry is having a a really important training meeting after church today, and they're going to do some really cool stuff. And I'm really excited because we don't just want to be a a church that gathers together um, and and has a great time. We want to be a church that's very purposed, that's trained well. People are trained well. You know, on Sunday morning we want to learn great theology we want to learn great um orthodoxy but also good great orthopraxy how do we practice that how do we how do we live that out and so we we want to uh, dedicate this church towards that next generation and uh, and it's easy to say it's another thing to train and do right so we really want to be purposeful on how we work with our kids and just train them up in the way that they should go um because they some of them are probably a lot like me uh, I was what you would call a handful when I was a kid, and uh, what 's interesting is i 've got four of my own and, uh, and some of them definitely were a lot like me and My poor mom worked six jobs I was raised in a single home single single family or what you would call a uh, I don't know, broken home single single parent you know i 'd see my dad every other week, but my, my poor mom i mean she worked hard she worked very hard and, and which meant she wasn 't there a, a lot. It just couldn't. I was one of those latchkey kids, you know. I had a key around my neck on a chain, and I'd just come home and do whatever I wanted to do. And uh, some of you can relate to that. Some of you can't. Um, but it basically meant that I was uh, was kind of a punk, too. <laughs> Did a lot of dumb things. I remember when we... Uh, I grew up in Glendora, half my life, and um, for some of you know that area. I lived right next to the 210 Freeway and the 57, right where it merges. There was this uh, little townhome complex that we lived in. And I lived on the with two stories and i was on the top story and right out my window you can see that freeway and and now on that freeway they have a big wall so you can't see the cars going by but when i was growing up there was no wall so you really couldn't see the cars but you could see the trucks and being the kid i was i put two and two together and thought man i wonder if my bb gun could reach the trucks that's the kid I was, okay? Say, so, hey, hey, don't judge me. So I take the BB gun. I'm not that way anymore. I took the BB gun out. and out my window. And, and it was, it, at the time, it was the coolest thing ever because you'd just go, and you'd wait two seconds and, ding, ding, as the trucks would drive by. Now, I, I didn't, as far as I know, I didn't hit the cabs. It was just the, the truck beds, right? I have a feeling, personally, that they erected, erected that whole wall because of those complaints that they got for the many months that I did that. Now, the, the problem with being a punk kid is you're just never satisfied with shooting trucks with a BB gun. You know what I'm saying? It just gets to a point where you're like... It, just, it has its time, but it's like, yeah, but that's so far away and everything else. And so as I was sitting up there, my friends... By the way, I didn't have the best friends. I mean, I liked my friends, but they they... they, they gave me bad examples. Let's put it that way. He said, man, those gardeners are having too much fun down there. Let's take that BB gun out and see if we can shoot them. <laughs> now again, I am not proud of this. I don't say this to be like, look what I did, Look how, look how great. No, I say this because I'm making a point that this was the example I had. And I remember shooting those gardeners, and we did it for a couple of weeks. But then, as I was home one day, Two of the biggest men I had ever seen in my entire life took their time off from the World Wrestling Federation to show up at my door and threaten to turn me into a pretzel. Okay, here I was, this punk junior high kid, standing there going, "I, I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing." I mean, literally, these guys were like six six on a short day, big old muscles, man, just massive. If we ever catch you, and I tell you, I stopped that day. Shooting gardeners. I stopped. But I, I know I'm not alone in this. Maybe you're not like me, that where you shot trucks or gardeners, but, but you followed the lead of some example that left you... Maybe you crashed. You literally just crashed. You hit a wall. Because that example wasn't the right one. Or maybe it was your own example. One of the phrases that just drives me crazy in this world, and you see it all the time, is just follow your heart. Oh, it's so that, that, that term, and when we're really honest, I mean, let's take that, let's put that and unpack it and put it on the logic train. Because any philosopher, anybody schooled in logic will say, well, you've got to take those thoughts, you put them on the logic train, and let it go, and where does it lead? And when you follow your heart, you have people who follow their heart, who shoot gardeners. Cause that was my heart. My heart at the time was like, "This will be great. I can't wait." But if we're honest, those same that same aspect can be, "Man, I'm following my heart." So those infidels must die. Or I'm following my heart, and and all these types of people aren't really people. See, I'm following my heart, and I can do whatever I want. The problem is. We have this this thing that we can get stuck in and if you've been with us We're going through the book of philippians We're going through the idea of being stuck in a moment and this is one of those moments We want to tackle this today because there's this thing that we get stuck in but it's a very self Effacing thing and what I mean by that is self-effacing. It's like it's like trying to look at the wind You can see the effects of the wind, but you'll never really get it Or, or trying to get to the end of a rainbow. You ever tried that as a kid? Man, I used to be like, man, there's gold at the end of the rainbow, right? Just like Santa Claus, we used to just think these crazy things and, you know, you'd see the TV commercial of don't steal my tricks or whatever. You know, the the lucky charms with the guy in the back, you know, the rainbow. So you'd go up to the rainbow, but every time you get there, it's gone. Where is it? It's over there. It's over there. This thing that we get stuck in is just like that. It's very self-effacing. As soon as you think you see it, it's gone. And as we've been looking at the book of Philippians, we've seen this idea kind of throughout that's completely completely opposite completely opposite of what we're going to look at today I mean here we have Paul who's writing to a small church in northern Greece he's in prison and he's writing to these people to encourage them to be free from these things but this is that one thing that really gets us that, that allows us to be stuck when we have people issues or problems in our lives. This is the thing that can cause us to be more like what we talked about last week, a microscope, and focus so much on this, instead of being the, the telescope that God wants us to be, where we, we focus on God, on Jesus Christ. And many churches get stuck with this. We just do. Because this is one of those things... That keeps us from the good news, from Jesus, the King of Kings. Some of you might have guessed it, or you just, like me, maybe you just read your read your bulletin. It's pride. It's pride. See, what I love about this passage that we're going to go through, and for many, this is a passage that you've had memorized. That that you find solace in, that you've looked at over the years and you've just went, Oh, it speaks to my soul. And that's awesome. But how I want to look at this passage today is not just a theological understanding, not just a, hey, look at the Greek in this, or 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 look look at how it's written and how beautiful it is, but more so, how does this apply to my day to day? How does this apply when when I get tempted to shoot a truck? get tempted by this thing that I don't even know really is in control sometimes, pride. If, if I were to give you a take-home truth, it's in your bulletin here, it's being free from pride means the attitude of Jesus, or we seek the attitude of Jesus and apply his actions to our life so that he may be adored by others around us. So I really just want to look today at the idea of of the attitude of Jesus, which applied to an action that end result is adoration. I try to make it simple. We're in the A's today. Maybe next week we'll be in the B's. But the truth is, this is a simple aspect that Paul did. And he paints this great picture. But there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. So, if you can do me a favor, why don't we all just stand? We've got a lot of blanks to crank today. But we're going to stand for God's word. And as we read it, and this is a great passage, I mean, one of the few passages I hope you guys, if you're memorizing, please, it's such a great thing, I have a hard time memorizing, but this is one of those passages I struggle with to memorize, because it's a great passage. So, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, starts off with this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, even becoming obedient to death. Yes, death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Now, there's some stuff going on here that I want to point out, but really it all comes down to, to that model and the method. And we really need to look at that. And so first, we need to understand Paul does something in in this first as he says, therefore, okay, he's really trying to make his point as we look at the idea of what it means to be a a doulos, a slave to Christ, a slave to God, or this servant, this bond servant to to God. And so when he's talking about, he uses this word if. Some of you picked that up. He uses if four times. Now in the ancient world, this this is a different. If we were to really translate this in the Greek, we would probably look at it more like since. Not if, but more like since. And so I'm going to read it like that. So therefore, since you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, since Jesus will not give up on you, since you have any comfort from His love, since Jesus understands your struggles, since any common sharing in the Spirit, since He has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to walk with us daily, and since any tenderness and compassion, the community that we need through God's people. See, if you're going to crank the blank here, what I would say is Paul is showing us the true model that we have in Christ. See, Paul is taking this, and he's, and he's taking this model, because isn't it the truth? I mean, I, 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 I sort of joked about it, but it is true. We, our model for living today is, is our own hearts a lot of times. Well, what do I do? We'll, do, we'll be like him, or, or be like her, or be like this, or be like that. But the truth is, every model that we prop up is going to fall. It's just gonna. And we have a tendency to take these models, maybe of of your parents, and as kids grow up, this is why they have such a struggle in the teenage years. It's not just because they're weird and freaky. That's a part of it. Teenagers are weird and freaky. And if you've had any, you know that. But the truth is, they're starting to see their parents as, wow, they're not the perfect model. They've got a good marriage, but it's not a perfect marriage. They've got a good heart, but it's not a perfect heart. You see, they've got patience, but it's not perfect patience. You see, and so their models start to start to break. And so what do they do? They go, they, they, they go to their friends as a model. Or they go to this idea. You know, as they get older, they go, Oh, I'm going to follow this this ideology as a model. And see, the problem with all these models under the sun is they're just like us broken, not perfect. And so Paul, in his, in his infinite mercies, he's writing through the power of the Holy Spirit, says, the only true model is Jesus Christ. And this is how he shows it. And I love this. He goes on to say, then, because this is the model, then, make my joy complete by being like-minded. The word he uses here really is one. So he says, "By complete by being one-minded, having the same love or having the one love being one in spirit and one mind. When we really read this in the Greek, what he's saying is, since all these things four times, then we need to be one four times. He's making a huge point. We need to respond to the method of Christ, which is humility. Since this, This is how we respond. And it's this method. It's not just the model of Jesus that we look to. And many people do this, right? Many people do this. We we, we can look at Jesus and be like, wow! And by the way, many religions do this. They say Jesus was a great model. But Jesus never made himself to be a great model just to be a model. He, he, He was a model to change our method. To give us a new way, a new truth, and a new life. Amen? And this is what Paul really is going into here. See, as a kid, my model was my punk friends. (laughs) My model was myself. My model was this or that. And as I grew up, I mean, my models became something different. So what it comes down to is this. When we're really looking at these methods and these models, we need to drop our pride and cooperate as one body in Christ. This is why we need to look at the at the model of Jesus and follow his method. See, the problem typically is this: pride gets in the way. Pride, pride, pride can keep us stuck for a long time. And and again, I, I, I say it's self-effacing because it just is. We we don't even know we do it. But let, let me give you some let me give you some ideas here because you might be like me and you might say, oh, I, I don't think I've got pride very much. You know, I mean, I, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who says, oh yeah, I'm a prideful guy. I'm just I'm just prideful. Or a woman that says, oh yeah, yeah, that's my. I'm so prideful, get out of my way, I don't even want to listen to you. No, You won't find that, you know? No one really wants to admit that. I mean, we could be proud, but this isn't being proud of your kids or proud of those things. I'm talking about the pride that, that, that drives us sometimes. Let, let me give you some examples here. See, pride keeps you from truly celebrating other people's successes. Maybe it's that thing that's keeping you from truly celebrating other people's successes or that thing that's keeping you from apologizing even when you know you're wrong. It keeps you arguing your point even after you know you should have stopped long before. How about it keeps you from admitting you have lost, you need help, or you have addictions, or you have bad habits, or admitting you don't know really what you're doing. See, pride can keep you from being honest with others, with yourself. And it even keeps you from being honest with God. Pride keeps you separate. And it keeps you being divided from the church so that we are not one, the very thing that this world needs, pride can keep us from that. This is why Paul goes on to say, if we're not just going to look at the model, but follow the method, we need to do this. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. See, do nothing. Out of I, I love this word he uses for selfish ambition. In the Greek, it means selfish ambition. It's great. <laughs> There's no wiggle room there. It's just selfish ambition. Oh, okay. That's, that's, I think I know what you're talking about here. See, we need to drop our pride and submit to Jesus and serve each other. See, to Paul, this just makes sense. This just, this just makes sense. And vain conceit is that idea of, of, you know what? The world really does revolve around me. See, I make fun of teenagers because they just kind of get there, right? I, I mean i it's just teenagers can get that way and and see as adults we're still teenagers we're just really good at hiding our our vain conceit. I think the best form of vain conceit is when you when you're trying to board an airplane. Brian Regan talks about this he says you've ever seen that one guy or gal that's trying to stuff like a dead yak into into the into the overhead as if it's going to fit. And, and, and the airline stewardess or steward is like oh yeah yeah How you, you think it's going to work yeah you just, just, and we'll let you try that yeah it's not going to work but they think oh I can do this and everybody's waiting for them because the world revolves around them you see husbands come home they've had a bad day they're grumpy they yell they kick the dog who in turn chases the cat and this pattern continues pride Vain conceit. It's about me. See, my feelings aren't being met. My things aren't being heard. Me. We all have it. And Paul says, don't do anything. That, that Greek word is also great. It means anything. So just in case there's some wiggle room, nope, anything. Don't do anything. The sad thing is that we can end up doing this with, with church as well. And with our walk with Jesus. See, I, I want church to be m- my way. I, I, I want, you know, the, the, the worship to be my way. I want it to be, the, you know, it has to be. A lot of people are going to be, are going to be shocked when they get to heaven. And I'm not talking just people from this generation will not be. I think everybody's going to be shocked. Because there's going to be music that we've never heard I mean, that are just just bigger, and it's not going to be contemporary, necessarily. And it's not just going to be hymns, necessarily. You see, the problem is, when we make it about me, and that's so easy to do, I'm guilty of it. Oh, you know what? This is an okay song. But the one I, I really want is, oh, wait, am I here for me? Is church revolving around me? Is my family revolving around me? Is my work revolving around me? We do this though. This is pride. And we don't even know it. We just do it. This is why Paul says, Rather in humility, value others uh, others above yourself. Now the problem with this is simple. And and believe me, I'm here with you. The problem with, with valuing others above yourself is there's a lot of others that aren't above you. And, and I don't mean this to be like funny or catty, but the truth is, you are smarter than them. You you are wiser than them. You are stronger than them. You are. I mean, you, you can put the pros and the cons, or whatever you want to do. Take that piece of paper around the middle and say, I have this more than they do. I have this more than they do. I have this more than they do. But the truth is, Paul knows this, by the way. And so this word that he uses for for value others more than yourself is not forget that you're better than them, or, or just pretend you're not better than them. No, he uses a military term that says they're a higher rank. Now, some of you are going, oh, I get it. Because a higher rank is simple, isn't it? Yeah. How many of you have seen, I mean, that military aspect, where it's like, wow, here's a lieutenant that's just right out of the thing, and the whole squad, man, they're so much smarter than this guy. And he wants to walk us into that thing, and we're probably going to get, but he know he's the lieutenant, and so i got to respect him. See, I don't salute the, uh, the, the officer, I salute the rank. So I submit, I cooperate. That's what Paul is saying. Paul gets it. There were so many people that he was better than. I mean, he was attacked so many times. You talk about a guy, I mean, he's in prison and people are mocking him. He's in prison. I mean, 2 Corinthians, great book, please read it. It's in your Bible, it's awesome. I want to challenge you to it. Paul says some awesome stuff in the book of 2 Corinthians. Did you know they even called Paul ugly? That's how petty they were. And he's ugly. Really? He's the Apostle Paul, people! Oh, and he doesn't know his Bible. What? You're going to say that about him? I mean, he got it all. He got attacked. You name it. But he's still treated others, and yes, those others were even people that treated him bad. You see this, by the way, as he follows the model of Jesus, because what did Jesus do? Jesus valued others over himself. This is crazy when you think about it, because there's no one that was smarter than Jesus. No one better than Jesus, and what did he do? He stooped down and washed fishermen's feet. He washed the betrayer's feet feet. This is the God we serve, people. Now, he says, not looking only to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. See, Paul says that true submission comes from when we serve. It's when we serve. It's not when we sit back and say serve me. But that's what we want to do, right? Because you're you're not as smart as me. You're, You're not as talented as me, or you're not as, come on. And, and that's, the, that's the downside, by the way, in the family. Is, hey kids, you serve me. But for a family to truly, the, the, the mom and dad, in a godly way serving their kids, that makes the biggest difference. And that's what Paul is saying here. I love this word he uses for looking. See, not looking to your own interest. It's scopeo. Scopeo, literally we get the word scope. To scope out. You know, when an advanced military team would come and they would scope out the land and look to see if there was any issues or problems. And so he's literally saying, scope out what you can do, where you can go, and how you can serve. You see, you're so out of yourself... That you're actually looking wherever you go. When I go to the grocery store, you're scoping it out. And how can I serve even here? When I'm at the DMV, yes, the DMV. How can I serve here? When you're at your home, instead of coming in grumpy and everything else, how can I serve here? You see how this radically changes? And when you show up to church, it's how do I serve here? How? What do I scope out See, when you go shopping, you not only buy your food, but maybe a little extra for the neighbor who just lost their job because you're scopeo, you're scoping it out. When your students are are at school, they say, hey, you, some of you, we have some high schoolers and junior hires here, maybe some elementary, you're at school. See, the temptation is, I'm going to scope out where my friends are. But no, you're not just scoping them out, you're scoping out the loner. You're scoping out the person who's sitting by themselves. You're scoping out the kid that just came into a new school, knows nobody, and feels like this big. And you're saying, how do I serve them? When you go to church, you don't make it just about you getting fed. You go to feed others. See, Jesus always taught this. I love the Lord's Prayer. We, we repeated it yesterday at a funeral, at a memorial service that I had the, the honor of helping to officiate, of a man who was 57 years old and lived his life for the Lord. And we said the Lord's Prayer, and I love it, because it doesn't say, give me my daily bread. Give me, right? No. It says, give us. And in every part of it, and that us, by the way, is all of us. See, Jesus taught this. He looked to serve wherever he went. This is why Paul says, if you really want to live a Christian life, you need to have the attitude of Christ we need to have the attitude of Christ Uh, this is a great passage he says in verse 5 he says in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Jesus Christ that word for mindset is phaneo it's a great word it literally is translated altitude or attitude it's used over 20 times just in this book Paul really loves this word because he loves to, to and I think we can say this most issues can be solved with pride if we just have our attitude checked you know what I mean? Because I'm going to rank this person above myself, but I'm just going to grip my teeth and I'm going to have the attitude and what you, know, or whatever. And that's our attitude. What's being shown? Sorry. It's all good. It's one of my favorite songs, man. Isn't that the Reed Franklin? Yeah. Oh no, that's uh, Pickett, Wilson Pickett, Midnight Hour, right? No, so, uh, oh. Gotta the there you go. <laughs> nice! Even better. You gotta love gym, just as long as it's not hot pants. All right, that's what I love about having a small church, guys. There's things we can do here. Can't do that in a big church, right? You see, in a plane, a pilot has an interesting, interesting uh, uh, gauge. It's called the altitude or attitude. Sorry, attitude indicator. It's a really basic setup. Now, what I have here is an aircraft pretty cool I play with my son of course his broke mine didn't I think because I went by and I cut him off and then I went ha no just kidding but uh, the interesting thing about the uh, attitude indicator is it tells you if you're pitch up or pitch down now the difference between pitch up is you're good see pitch up means you're going to live to see another day so if I were to take this let's put this over here let me do this and I, I, I promised people that knew I was going to do this I promised them that I would not fly out above everybody even though I'm a really good flyer but see pitch up means you're, you're rising pitch up is good but let me just, let me just do pitch down do you see the problem? See, the attitude indicator is really simple. It tells you, are you going to live another day? Or are you going to crash? The Bible is pretty specific when it talks about pride. It it says pride goes before the fall, the crash. When your freneo is pitched down, you're going to fall. This is what Paul says. This is why he goes into detail and says, you not only have this model... But we need to follow the method. He you said, You've got to have not just the attitude of Christ, but the actions of Christ. He says this, who being in very nature God. Those words are awesome and I could go into theological stuff here, but it, it's just very important to remember that when he says being, he uses a great word for being. It's not the typical word for being. It's the big word for being. It's hupar, huparco. And, and and this word is a really interesting word because basically what it means is the complete essence. The 100% of. It's like he's saying oh, by the way, this Jesus, this guy that everybody is kind of familiar with right now at this time, you remember, you heard about him. He was this slave guy over in, yeah, he he's also God. See, there's many times people will knock on your door and say, hey, yeah, do you know about this? And they'll tell you, they say, Jesus was great, but he wasn't God. Uh-uh. Don't, don't accept that. The truth is, Jesus was, is, and forever will be. And that's the whole idea of Parko. He is God. His essential essence. And, and this is the important thing to understand. He knew it. See, God, did, he just didn't show up and, and he had amnesia. You know, he's God and Abad, but he doesn't remember it. And he's like, we watch a lot of films like that. A lot of TV shows, a lot of movies are made that way. They don't know that they have these superpowers, and one, and they start to unlock them, and we're just kind of on this journey with this Superman-type person. No, he knew forever. He didn't just wake up one day and go, Oh, yeah, that's right, I'm God. No, he knew. He got it. And he always knew it. And yet, who being in the very nature God, he says this, he did not consider equality With God, something to be used to his own advantage, something to be grasped, something to to cling to. This is a great word. I, I love this. See, his attitude was pitch up. It was, I am a servant, I'm a slave to do his will, to serve you, to serve the world. See, our attitude, when it is on us, will always cling and grasp. When it is on God, who, has, who not only has it all but is in charge, we will be pitched up. A good understanding of this, if you guys, again, I always reference this because I'm a geek and I'm sorry, but I'm going to keep doing it. Lord of the Rings, love it. Great. Read all the books. Golem, perfect example of grasping and clinging to what he desired most, which was the ring. And eventually, what did it do? It led to his fall, it led to his demise. And the, the word that Paul uses here is the opposite of that. See, what are you clinging and grasping on to? What is your pride holding on to? See, maybe your pride is keeping you clinging onto that relationship that you know is wrong, but you just can't let go. Because if you do, you're going to have to admit you were wrong. Maybe your pride is keeping you clinging onto that busy calendar that is keeping you from the family that needs you, or the grow groups, that we're going to be starting that will feed your spirit and growing together. Maybe your pride is keeping you clinging on to that job or career that that no matter what always comes first and it's leaving your life with God dead last. There's so many things that we can cling to and grasp and our attitude indicator is pitched down. See, Jesus knew who He was And he opened himself. To, uh, opened himself up to those around him, and he washed their feet. This is huge. See, God didn't just lose it. Again, I just I can't explain this enough. I mean, here he was, God, and what did he do? He took off his his outer clothes and became like a servant and and washed. He did the job that nobody would do except for the deaf, dumb, blind servant who was like eighty eight thousand years old and nobody had it. and He was the last one that was about to die. That was the one that did this job. And he took off his his stuff and he sat down and he washed their feet. He did it! Even though he knew, I made everything. I literally can think every atom in existence to part and explode, and there would be a billion, trillion, million, I mean, you name it, gazillion atomic bombs going off. He did it all, and yet he sat there and washed the feet and got on the cross. When we have Jesus' attitude, we will follow his actions. Because what does he say? Go and do likewise. Now you go and do likewise. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Again, that word servant is is for slave. It's the same word that Paul uses and it's the same word that Jesus he talks about, he says, You need to be like this. And and by the way, I, I want you to get this. This is important. See, because he says in being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And it's like, why Paul did you add that? Is that because it's a good Christian thing to do to remind us of the cross? No, he's talking to the Philippians. And by the way, the Philippians were Roman citizens. And as Roman citizens, they were completely exempt from the cross. They could not be crucified. As a Roman citizen, Paul could not be crucified. That's why he died a different way. Now, Peter was crucified because he was a Jew. He was a Gentile. Only slaves and barbarians could be crucified. And here... He's writing to people who who are proud of the fact that they didn't have to be crucified. They couldn't be crucified. And he says, by the way, the God that you serve was a slave. And he was crucified. And he served. See, Jesus' attitude led him to the action that he took, which ultimately leads to the only deserved Adoration of all. Therefore, verse 9, God exalted him, adored him, magnified him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He submitted and he served, and he will be adored. See, every Roman citizen got this too because every year they had to take a pinch of incense and go into an altar, into a throne room and, and make a sacrifice to Caesar and say, Caesar is Lord. And what Paul does here is awesome. By the way, Jesus' last name is not Christ. A lot of people think that. I just want to set you straight. It's not Jesus H. Christ. That's not his name. Okay? Some people say that and they think it's his name. That's not his name. Okay? Christ is his title. And the reason why Paul takes this and doesn't say Jesus Christ, he says Christ Jesus because that's King Jesus. That's King Jesus. And he puts it back into perspective. And he says, King Jesus is who we make offering to, who we submit to, not Caesar. Not yourself. Not your ideology. Not your job. Not your family. Not your, it's Christ Jesus and when you do you submit to him then you will cooperate as one another you'll have those actions and I guarantee you your life will be transformed it will be where do you need an attitude adjustment where are you getting stuck in pride maybe it's a boss at work you've been thinking that this boss is uh, he's driving you crazy but have have you thought that he's of a higher rank than you and not just because he's your boss. Maybe it's an employee that you are actually over, but they're driving you crazy. And you've been talking about them. You've been at the at the cooler of, of, of the job. Yeah, you know, that Benny guy. He drives me crazy. Oh, he drives you crazy? Yeah, let's talk about how much we don't like Benny. Your rank just went down. Jesus says you lift them up as if they're higher than you and you serve them how can you serve this this person how about that relationship that has you more frustrated than anything with that family member where you know you're right and you know for a fact they're wrong but your attitude is pitched down and it's just going to crash how about those health problems They never seem to let up. Maybe the financial issues or struggles, they never seem to let up, no matter what you do. And your attitude is just pitched down. See, you need to have an attitude of Christ who being God incarnate, God in a bod, God with us, didn't consider that's something to cling to, but gave it all up in that moment to forever be a human being so that when he greets us in glory, in eternity, he will have flesh and blood and we will touch him. Because he forever took that form and he will forever have those scars. Because he says, I get it. I lived it. And I didn't do it for me, I did it for you. I did it because God so loved each and every one that He gave me as a gift. I have a place right there in your notes. I want you to just write something down. It's real simple. You don't have to do it. What's the situation right now or the person... That you need to value above yourself. Every single one of us is a human being, every single one of us has a situation that we need to drop our pride. And consider that person better. You see, maybe your pride has kept you from Jesus Christ. I want to give that invitation right now. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never said, Jesus, I need you. I, I, I've thought I've been better than all this. I thought of it, but the truth is, when I'm left to myself, I shoot trucks. When I'm left to myself, I shoot gardeners. I follow something and I fall. I'm not perfect. You have a Savior who didn't come to put it in your face. He came to be put on a cross and sacrificed himself for you so that you didn't have to. And maybe you're just stuck in pride. Pride. Maybe the pride isn't just keeping you from him. Maybe pride's keeping you from the family that he has for you. Maybe pride is keeping you from the job and the career that he has for you. Maybe pride is keeping you. You fill in the blankets there. It's yours. It's not mine. I have to do this. I want to take time right now. As you're writing that down, I just want to take time right now. And what I'd love for you to do is we just sit here in this time. If you've got a, a spouse near you, do you have a friend near you? Just put your hand on them. And pray for each other. Take this time right now. Don't let this be something you just walk away from and think not think about it again. And just say, how can I pray for you? Don't worry, we're just going to sit here. And in a couple of minutes, I'm going to pray. But I want you to take this time. Go to the Lord who came to you. And will not let go. Amen? Let's pray. In every service we always have a time to pray if you just want to come forward and just sit down up here we want to pray for you we want to journey with you we're all Christians at the cross when we bow our knee there's no good Christians or bad Christians there's only Christians we're just on the journey with Jesus together life isn't easy why we have a Savior that wore a crown of thorns. That's why we have a Savior that was beaten. That's why we have a Savior that was a slave, so that we can be free. Amen? Lord, we thank you. I bless my brothers and sisters. I thank you for the fact that we have a community, we have a family, that we are together as one. There is no barbarian, there is no Scythian, there is no slave, there is no free, there is no man, there is no woman, there is no black, there is no white, there is only human beings at the foot of your cross, Jesus Christ, who became just like us, and served. Thank you. May we remember that as we put aside our selfish ambitions as we put aside our vain conceit and we submit to you the only one that deserves it, the only model that truly lived it, and the only method that can truly work. The King of Kings, Jesus Christ. And may we serve as you served. May we go...